0: Hello, I'm Derek Walker. I'm the pastor of the Oxford Bible Church. And we're sharing about intercession because God wants to raise up intercessors. We're all called to a ministry of intercession. And today we are going to share about the spiritual warfare involved in intercession. We are called to rule and reign with Christ, and that, that begins now, even in this life. We learn to rule and reign with Christ through our ministry of intercession. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 5, it says that Jesus Christ is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. And so here we are kings and priests, or a kingdom of priests. And so we have a priestly ministry and a kingly ministry. Basically, a priest is someone who represents someone to God and brings them into God's presence and under God's mercy. And that's what we do in intercession. We bring people into the presence of God and release God's blessing upon them. But we are also kings. We have authority as kings to break the power of the powers of darkness and to to release them from that hold and to actually bring about changes. We actually rule and reign. We have authority in the name of Jesus, causing the changes in the situations. We, we command and we release God's will into the earth through our intercession. Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 9 even talks about that. He says, God put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, behold, I've put my words in your mouth. See, in intercession, you receive God's words, God's will, and then you speak them into those situations. And it says, see, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms. And so God has given us authority over the nations and kingdoms. We, through intercession, we actually rule and reign with Christ. He says, to root out and to pull down, to destroy and throw down, and to build and to plant. So through our intercession, we can pull down the wrong strongholds, the wrong powers, the wrong authorities, and we can build and plant what God wants. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? I said, I see the branch of an almond tree. The Lord said, you've seen well, for I am ready to perform my word, or I watch over my word to perform it. In other words, God's words coming out of Jeremiah's mouth, God watches over those words and will bring them to pass. And that is the, the intercessor enters into that. That's where we begin to learn to rule and reign with Christ. Revelation 5.9, the elders that represent the church now in heaven sing a new song saying, you're worthy. Lord, to take the scroll and open its seals. For you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood, out of every tribe, tongue, people, and nation, and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. And when the Lord returns, we will reign with him. But even now, we are kings and priests, and we begin to reign uh, with Christ through intercession. It says we are a kingdom of priests which means we are priests, and as we exercise our priestly ministry of intercession, God will also cause us to function as kings. He will give us those words, those commands, those things that we can speak by in authority and see them come to pass on the earth. And our job is to bring God's will to pass on the earth as it is in heaven. We, we, we find out his will in his presence and then we release it into the earth. And in that case, we rule and reign with him. And we can break the power of evil principalities and powers and release God's will into the earth. And in that way, we rule and reign with Christ. 1 Peter 2.5 says the same, that we, are living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. That's our priestly ministry. We offer up spiritual sacrifices, praise, thanksgiving, prayers, intercessions. Verse 9 says, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, which means we're not just priests, we're also royal priests. We are kings also. We, we In that place of intercession, we exercise authority. He says, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim his praises, who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And so in, we release the light of God into situations. And so in this age, we exercise our authority as royal priests primarily through prayer. And we see this in the psalm that is quoted more in the New Testament than any other psalm that speaks about the time that we're living in. And it talks about Christ extending his scepter of power through Zion, through his people. Psalm 110, verse 1. The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Now notice this. This prophesies the ascension of Christ. God the Father speaks to the the Son and says, Sit at my right hand until there's a time coming when his enemies will be made his footstool. That means his enemies will be crushed underfoot. Now that's yet future. That happens at the second coming of Christ. So until then, the Lord Christ is seated at the right hand of God. He has all authority. He's defeated Satan. He has all authority now. But his enemies are not yet crushed. And that's the situation we're in right now. The enemies are still active on the earth although he himself has got that position of of authority. And now it describes the action in this time period, which we know now as the church age. The Lord will send the rod of your strength, or the scepter of your power, out of Zion. Rule in the midst of your enemies. In other words, the enemies are still active, but Christ rules in the midst of their enemy. He's not just sitting back doing nothing. There isn't just the darkness going on. We are, Christ rules in the midst of his enemies. How does he rule? It says he sends the rod of his strength out of Zion. Now in Hebrews chapter 12, 22 describes Mount Zion. It says, We have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, an innumerable company of angels, the generally an to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus the mediator of the new covenant. Basically Zion is used to describe the place where all of God's people are gathered together. So Zion is used as a name for God's people together. And notice he says therefore that God sends the rod of his authority, the rod of his power, out of Zion. And that's how he rules in the midst of his enemies. And so who is in the midst of his enemies? It's his people. He's at the right hand of God. The enemies are on earth. We, the church, are in the midst of his enemies. And he rules through his church now, through us as we, he stretches forth the rod of his authority. His authority he's given to us in the name of Jesus. We have authority on the earth. And so he, he extends his power through us, through his people. Uh, And that's how we are to rule and bring God's will to pass, even though it's in the midst of the darkness of this world. Notice he now talks about the people, these people, this army that he has on the earth. He says, Your people shall be volunteers, literally free will offerings. See, for God to use you in intercession, you have to offer yourself to God as a free will offering. You have to present yourself to God and say, God, use, use me. Put your burden on my heart that you want me to pray for. And you, you make yourself a free will offering. He says, In the day of your power, literally, that's in the day of your army. See, this is. And he describes an army of priests, an army of intercessors, and he's going to rule through them. He's going to have his will done in the midst of his enemies through this army, who carry his name. He describes this army in the beauties of holiness from the womb of the morning. You have the dew of your youth, and the picture really is that they're fresh. They they've been just been born again. They've got their resurrection life, and they're. They're dressed as priests in the beauties of holiness. And they are now his army on the earth. And then it says, the Lord has sworn and will not relent. You're a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek was a king priest. And Jesus was made a priest after the order of Melchizedek when he was raised from the dead. Other scriptures show that. And so when Jesus rose from the dead, he became the high priest after the order of Melchizedek, a king and a priest. And if we are in Christ we are also priests not after the order of Levi but after the order of Melchizedek. We are kings and priests. He's the high priest, he's the chief intercessor but we share in his ministry of intercession. We are to release all the blessings of God and the victory and enforce his victory that he won on the cross. And we have the, the privilege and the right to do that as part of his army. He extends his power and authority through us as we function as king priests. Then verse 5 says, the Lord is at your right hand. No, literally, it's the Lord at your right hand. And this is talking, who is at the right hand of the Father? It's, it's Christ. The Lord, Adonai, which is a divine title here, proving Jesus is God. The Lord, Adonai at the right hand of the father will execute kings in the day of his wrath and this now looks forward to the second coming of christ when he will actually return and destroy uh, the army the enemies of god but until then he rules in the midst of his enemies through his people and so we are called to be kings and priests we exercise his authority we release the Holy Spirit, upon people through our priestly prayers. But we also have kingly authority over the principalities and powers, and we can bind them, and we can break their power in situations. That's, part, that's our authority as king priests. And so we're going to focus now on the spiritual warfare uh, that's involved in intercession. We need to be forearmed about this. Otherwise, we, we, we won't know what's going on, and we may get confused and so we're going to go to Daniel to reveal the spiritual warfare aspect of intercession because Daniel was another one of these great intercessors. And We're going to go to Daniel chapter 9 and notice the year here, it's a key year. It says in the first year of Darius, the son of Azareus, of the lineage of the Medes, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. Now basically They've been under Babylonian uh, domination for almost 70 years. But this is when Babylon gets invaded by Persia. And Cyrus Cyrus the Great is the main guy, but Darius the Mede is put in charge of Babylon. And as a result, this is the first year now of this new government that's come in. And this this has spurred Daniel to pray. Because this change of government means this is a vital time for him to pray. It says it's in the first year of his reign that Daniel understood by the books the number of the years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. Now, we'll see this in a minute, but in Jeremiah 29... It predicts that they will have twenty-nine, seventy years, and then God's going to start releasing them from this captivity. Now, God's—it was God's will—was clearly established in that prophecy in Jeremiah. But I want you to notice that Daniel didn't just passively sit back and say, "Well, God's going to do it, so let me just see what happens." He actually realized, although that was God's will, he needed to pray it through, and. He knew he was near the end of these 70 years. He needed to pray that God's will to pass on the earth. And so it says, I, Daniel, I understood, again, by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. Then I set my face before the Lord God to make request by prayer and supplications with fasting, sackcloth and ashes. Sackcloth and ashes was to repent he identified with his people and he repented for their sins before God, asking God to be merciful. And he pr- I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession of sins and said, O oh God, great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant and mercy with those who love him and with those who keep his commandments, we, notice he identified, not they sinned, We have sinned. He identified with his nation. We have sinned and committed iniquity. We have done wickedly and rebelled, even by departing from your precepts and judgments. Neither have we heeded your servants, the prophets. There's no sin recorded about Daniel, but he identifies with his people. Now, notice, even he knows the will of God, but that doesn't make him passive. He prays the will of God to pass. He says, God, it's your will that you are going to restore us now and lift us up. And so he sets his face to pray that through. The intercessor discovers the will of God and then prays it into the earth. God needs a channel to pray it through. Let's look at the Jeremiah prophecy to show that even the prophecy instructed Daniel to do this. Jeremiah 29.10, thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon... I will visit you and perform my good word toward you and cause you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then, when, as at the end of these 70 years, then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I've driven you and bring you back to the place where I cause you to be carried away captive. So notice, even in the prophecy, God says, at the end of the 70 years, you'll call upon me and I will set you free. So Daniel was fulfilling that scripture by praying it into action. He realized his prayers were essential for the restoration of Israel. He knew it from the word of God and he prayed according to the word of God. Now it's interesting what happens next. In verse 20 uh, it says, Now while I was speaking, praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God. Yes, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, the angel Gabriel, whom I'd seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, reached me about the time of the evening offering, and he informed me and talked to me and said, O Daniel, I have now come forth to give you skill to understand. We don't know how long in this case it took for Daniel to pray before the angel came through. There's another time when it took 21 days actually for him to arrive. But notice it says, At the beginning of your supplications the command went out, and I have come to tell you, for you are greatly beloved, therefore consider the matter and understand the vision. Now this was a very important moment in divine history, and Satan was fighting this. um, Because it's interesting in Daniel 6.1, it says in the first year, I won't read through the story, but in the first year of Darius, this very same year, at this very time when Daniel was praying, is when Daniel's enemies set up a trap to get him killed. Um, and they basically made a law that anyone who was praying to any other god, apart, f- apart from the uh, emperor, um, would be killed. And Daniel was praying And lets himself be seen that he's praying three times a day toward Jerusalem. And as a result, I think that's when uh, he gets thrown into the lion's den. Satan was so afraid of his prayers at this time. Because Satan knew that somebody's got to pray it through. That he tried to arrange for Daniel to be killed. But as we know, God miraculously delivered Daniel from the lion's den. And so... He's praying and as a result of his prayers he releases angels in the heavenlies. As you pray you release the angels to work. And this angel breaks through and the message he brings Daniel gives the timetable to the coming of the Messiah. So in other words the answer, and we can see in the next chapter particularly, the answer to Daniel's prayer affects the course of nations. It releases activity in the angelic realm. And it brings about the, the release, uh, what would happen, God gives the timetable and it released in the earth the initial deliverance which was the decree of Cyrus which was a year and a half later and that then led to other things and God gives a whole timetable in Daniel 70 weeks of how God was going to restore Israel step by step. All of this was to lead to the coming of the Messiah. And salvation so Daniel was at a key moment of history he prayed God's will through against actually satanic resistance and as a result God's plan went forward Daniel's prayers were crucial in this whole process the angel was released because of his prayers he says at the beginning of your supplications the command went out and I've come to you he said I've been able to come to you because of your prayers all right, it's interesting in Daniel 11.1, one, um, Gabriel actually says to Daniel, also in the first year of Darius and the Mede, this is this situation, I, even I, stood up to confirm and strengthen him. And he's actually talking about how the other person here is Michael the archangel, uh, which is later. Basically, in this situation, Daniel was praying concerning Israel. Now Michael, Daniel 12.1 says Michael is the angel that's assigned to Israel and to protect Israel. And so Daniel was praying for Israel's future and Michael in this situation according to chapter 11 verse 1 was actually fighting in an angelic battle and uh, in order for for this uh, answer to come through. And uh, Gabriel joins battle with Michael. And as a result of Daniel's prayers, this angelic battle took place and the answer came through. That's what happened in the first uh, year of Darius the Mede. Uh, Gabriel and Michael, we see, are in action together, but the key is Daniel's prayers on earth. Now, we go now to Daniel chapter 10, and here we see another angelic battle And this time is a few years later, it says, in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel. And it says, um, in those days, Daniel was mourning three full weeks, 21 days. This is called a Daniel fast because it wasn't total abstinence. It was no pleasant food, no meat or wine came to my mouth, nor did I anoint myself until three whole weeks were fulfilled. So he was fasting and praying. And then he describes his experience, um, again an angel appears to him, um, uh, verse 8, it says, "He, When I saw this great vision, no strength remained in me. My vigor was turned to frailty, and I retained no strength. Yet I heard the sound of his words. And... Verse 10, suddenly a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hands. And he said to me, O Daniel, greatly beloved, understand the words I speak to you and stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. And he says, I stood trembling. And he said, do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself with fasting, before your God your words were heard, and I've come because of your words. Again, the angel was released into action through Daniel's prayer. From the day he started praying, it started to release action in the heavenly places. But notice this, verse 13. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. Now notice what's going on here. That we've already met the king of Persia, which was Cyrus, but now it talks about the prince of Persia. This is the spiritual principality and power that was over the natural king. And so the angelic warfare that was released through Daniel's prayers took place when this angel came to go through to Daniel with God's message. But he was resisted by this other evil principality, for 21 days, and Michael, another angel, came to help Gabriel, and finally they won, and it got through. And if Daniel had not continued praying, that that victory in the heavenlies wouldn't have been won. But through Daniel's prayers, he gave the authority on earth for God's will to come through to the earth and for the angelic breakthrough to take place. So our prayers initiate a kind of spiritual battle in the heavenlies we don't personally engage in in a, some kind of battle with the angels but our prayers we have that place of authority and our prayers release that angelic uh, warfare the power of the prince of persia was broken in this situation uh, as we're going to see and 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 god gives the vision now in verse 20 it says Do you know why I've come to you and why I must return to fight with the prince of Persia? And when I've gone forth, indeed, the prince of Greece will come. No one upholds me except Michael, your prince. Michael was the prince over Israel. So notice he says, I'm going to return and there'll be another battle with the prince of Persia. And after that, the prince of Greece will come. Well, the next empire that came after Persia was Greece. So you see, the prince of Above the earthly affairs is the actions of the principalities. And through Daniel's prayers, actually, he was praying forward the will of God for these nations that were controlling Israel. And through Michael and the others, they were breaking the power of the prince of Persia, and then Greece would be the next one that came in. And what was happening is that God's plan was moving forward, and Daniel, through his prayers, was controlling, bringing God's will to bear, upon the course and the rise and fall of nations. And he was taking his position of prayer, and as a result, the angels were working. And so his continued prayer was was vital to this whole situation. He was the key to the whole situation. And as he prayed, that released angelic reinforcements in the form of Michael to help Gabriel. If he wouldn't have been faithful in prayer, well, that... He would have abandoned his place of authority and things would have worked out differently. And so he had a vital role to play in this whole conflict, which has given a little glimpse into the spiritual conflict that happened. But it's because Daniel interceded that God's will was brought to pass among the nations of the earth. So don't underestimate the power of your intercession. As you hold your place in prayer, you release the angels of God to work in the situation on the earth you give your authority for god to do what he needs to do god wants you healed he wants you healthy and strong to fulfill his plan on the earth and jesus has provided healing for us on the cross and he freely gives us healing but we need to know about it and receive that from him so i want to encourage you to to get my getting healed book a guide to receive your healing and that which really takes you step by step in how you can receive healing from the Lord. And to go with that is my second book on healing, which is actually on long life and youth renewal. Live long and strong. And God doesn't just want to heal you. He wants to cause you to be healthy, to be strong, to have his life uh, sustaining you all the time. So this will build your faith in that area you're most welcome to join us at our church services which are every Sunday at 11am and 6pm at Cheney School, Headington, Oxford, ox x 3 7QH You can order CDs, DVDs, books and other great products from our online shop at www.oxfordbiblechurch.co.uk or by calling 01865 515 086